Welcome, everybody, to the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams, and I'm joined this week and every week with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who makes fantasy football not look good, Cicero Holmes. How are you, sir? Yo, uh, Danny Woodhead is on IR right now. He has screwed up two of my leagues. Yo, uh, Yahoo, I could tell you about yourself, but I'm not going to because I show restraint. I'm dope. (laughs) You're holding it in so that when you have the one moment of burst out and outburst, you can just be like, fuck Yahoo. Oh, my gosh. So people never get to hear this stuff. But but believe it or not, guys, I had like a Tourette's like syndrome when uh, when we first got on the cast. today. <laughs> it was it, it was, was not pretty. Yeah, it was bad from even for me, man. I, I, I was blushing. I almost, I almost had to grab Cicero's medical alert, uh, bracelet and, and try to call try to call 911 because I thought he wasn't going to make it. I'm having <laughs> chest pains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my man, my mellow, that smooth kind of fellow. The man who makes gaming looks good. Mini froze look good. And science look good. Gaming looks good. Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. And I'd like to report that I'm currently leading my fantasy league, even though I left... Rob Rob Gronkowski in the past two weeks when he was injured and did not play. I'm still leading. Is it Ron so. Gronkowski? Like basically, when he's not playing football, he's like almost a Chippendales dancer. Uh. A, he kind of is. Um, on 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 the uh, Ray Ray is fundamental podcast. I heard some really bad live reading of apparently some. Uh, erotica that features him it was called something like the gronking or some weird thing no like like, there's a lot of reasonable fantasize about that dude i mean if uh, i had abs too i would want people to fantasize about me i have like a almost ab <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, have the, I have the fundamental <laughs> beginnings of an ab. I just don't know if it'll ever get there. It won't. It won't. It won't level up. It hasn't Pokemon itself into an ab yet. No, I, I, I just have one big ab, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I got know? one ab, and I cannot lie. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you to everyone who listened to last week's show. We had a phenomenal time hanging out with Scott OG uh, from NBA 2K, uh, defensive guru and man with the wettest jump shot in the league. Uh, Scott O'Gallagher. So thank you, Scott, for rocking out with us because we love you, dude. You always make great stuff every every year, you and the rest of the cats over at 2K. So thank you to everybody who listened and shouted us out and shared the show and all that good stuff. Uh, but we have a phenomenal show this week and a phenomenal guest this week. Cicero is already patting his face in excitement. He is beating <laughs> up sweat. I don't know if it's that or if it's just the heat in his house. I think it's a hot flash personally. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going through the change. So let me tell you guys, um, yeah, no AC and humid weather and bourbon and being black and fat do not mix. Why are you drinking bourbon if you're hot? You should be drinking like a cool drink or something. No, listen, this is, I got an ice cube in it. I mean, this is... This is part of my process, man. This is how I make the magic happen, man. Tonight's show is sponsored by Bullet Bourbon. Well, actually, it's not sponsored by Bullet Bourbon. No, it's not. They are not paying us a dime. When I go down to Kentucky, Bullet, you guys need to take care of me. Thank you. Oh, my God. (laughs) Can you please please intro our wonderful guest for this So, yeah. So, last week, we had Scott O'Gallagher, and he is awesome. Um, This week, we've got another O. We're full of O's. Um... 
This gentleman has been a supporter of ours for a very, very long time. Um, and, uh, you know, he really put his money where his mouth was uh, following our and, and uh, helping to fund our Patreon, uh, being a patron. And uh, then he was at GameSpot and he left GameSpot and he himself went to Patreon and and is now a multimillionaire via, via all the patrons. <laughs> Formerly of GameSpot, currently of NoClip, and always in our hearts, <laughs> it is my pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Danny O'Dwyer. Danny, how are you today, sir? Great, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having me on. I've been. It's it's always like really w- weird. To, I've been doing like the press junket yeah. for right. the past couple of weeks. You know, trying to make sure that that this whole thing doesn't like it doesn't launch and nobody knows about it. But this is like the only podcast I'm on that I like actively enjoy and listen to every week. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm like weirdly nervous about this one. You know, like I ca- like I care about this one in a way. I don't care about any of the other ones, but this one's like, oh, I don't want to fuck up in front of these guys. They're cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's it's man. First of all, thank you because like we have been consuming and watching all of your stuff for all the years that you were working at GameSpot yep. and, and all that stuff. So that coming from you is a huge compliment and Absolutely. definitely is something that makes us feel amazing. Um, you know, thank you for, for inviting us down, me and Reef, uh, down during GDC week as well to like come and hang out with you at the GameSpot studios and hang out on on The Point. <clears throat> and, and all that was freaking awesome and amazing. Uh, so that was great. Uh, but yeah, you have been living a crazy life in the past two weeks, man. Like every time I see you, you're like, all right, so I have this to do, this to do, this to do, this to do. Forza, fuck you, because you can't install. Let me fix this <laughs> IKEA shelf really quick, and let me do like two podcasts before I go to sleep. Sweet Jesus, Danny. You I mean, <laughs> it's, it's it's a great problem to have. Like the the alternative version of this is that I left my job, which you know, in a country that I've been only living in for about two and <laughs> two years and change. Uh, you know, recently married. Um, you know wife's parents probably thinking wait he got married and now he's leaving his job what, what what's going on uh, and then i start this company and then nobody funds it and then i'm sitting on my legs and i can't on my arse and i can't afford new ikea uh, so it's it's a great problem to have and you know working for yourself is a is always a fun thing you know Oh my goodness! Yeah, and you have made me tired watching everything that's happened in the past couple of weeks. Because I'm like looking at your feet. I'm like, I, I'm like, it's at the point now where I feel like I had to send you a DM and it's like, are you getting enough sleep, Danny? Are you getting enough <laughs> I'm, rest? I'm lucky. My wife is a therapist, so it's you know it, she's basically been like working double shifts the past couple of weeks, <laughs> making sure I'm not going crazy. But no, man, man, I'm I'm like super blessed. Like I'm this is. It, the reaction was obviously the Patreon was more than I was expecting, more than I'd even my highest budget was for. Uh, so it's been incredible. It's it's been a really crazy roller coaster of trying to figure out like business stuff around it and making sure that everyone's funds get spent the way they should be and stuff. And yeah. it's been strange having that happen. You know what I mean? Like considering like I love Patreon and I've I've contributed to bunches of Patreon uh, pa- Patreons over the years but like this one has gotten more than like like so much more than so many of them that like it feels kind of weird right because i'm yeah. i'm one person doing this thing right. why do so many keep you know it's like it's not fair in a way so it, there's this weird sort of like imposter syndrome thing happening as well where i'm like okay these bet these videos better be the shit <laughs> like these better be the best <laughs> video game documentaries ever or i'm never going to be able to sleep um 
and but it's been fun because it's kind of what what's happened i think with 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 the biggest with the sort of the amount of support it's gotten is that it's given me this kind of uh i don't know like safety net in a way that i feel like i can spread out and like maybe use it as an opportunity to lend it i don't know lend a voice to people who wouldn't otherwise get heard right yeah so instead of having to like i don't know we'll probably get into it but i don't have to cover games because they're popular i don't have to cover games for views i have to cover things that matter to me be that old games new games social issues gamers that don't get highlighted usually all that sort of stuff so at the moment spinning up loads of ideas around that and and trying to really make sure that this i don't know like it it that it matters. Like, I want this to matter. I want this to, like, shake up games coverage. Yeah. So so let's go back three weeks, right? Let's sure. go back to... 12 years ago, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, right? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like Like, three weeks ago was like, all right, I think I saw you. I think I saw you during that third week period at, at PAX. Yeah, and I didn't I see like, you. I saw a caca. Caca <laughs> <laughs> beware. Caca beware. Covered in parrots. Thank you. I forgot about Coco beware. That was an old, like reference that was, was that was like, for the people in the back that was right, way right, over right, there right. somewhere for the five for the five people who remember 80s wrestling remember that one dude. no I, I i did see jeff gersman do the bird flap though he was he, oh yeah he was doing nice. it yeah. wait did jeff do the bird flap? yes he did <laughs> holy shit as, that makes me feel so good as you were getting your ass whooped in the actual video game that took like five minutes of i love how on i love how on the site that they have for the wrestlers it tells you how long you were in the match <laughs> it was like caca beware 12 seconds <laughs> it was one of those things where i was like i can't believe i'm here in this room with danny and with jeff and all these cats who i've been watching for a long time who i've really admired and do all that stuff but then we had a quick meeting a uh, chance meeting in in one of the hallways and you were like hey i got some stuff coming up and i can't talk about it that's cool yeah and i was like I don't know what's happening, but I know it's going to be good because you're attached to it. But what's <laughs> what's the what was that feeling of that kind of in between week before you had left, or right during right before you had left, and then during that week, kind of at the ramp up when you were about to launch No Clip? Yeah, so it's weird. I got you know for folks who don't know, I basically worked at Gamespot for for five years in total, two and a half in San Francisco, and the rest was in in London. Um, and it was a job that I'd like like spent a long time trying to get like it took me a good five years of trying i i had an interview one time and then didn't get it and then got turned down twice more and then like i ended up like picking up my life and moving to london because i thought oh they didn't pick me because i'm some irish dude who lives in a country village and they, they think i can't handle the big city right so like it was kind of like the guiding rod of my life for about a decade like five years trying to break in um and with like a really naive plan of being like if i can get into games by uk then maybe i can get over to san francisco and then maybe i can like start to do interesting stuff and like be like those guys like jeff gersman and you know my my professional heroes and like through the grace of whatever it 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 panned out so then to to do that for five years and then decide to step away from it felt like like i don't know like running into danger like just a really stupid thing to do like in terms of like job security and in terms of you know i I liked my job like my job's really nice yeah any loads of people would kill for my job so for me to be like the spoiled brat and walk away from it like there, there was it was a crazy sort of emotional uh thing and i guess the only thing that my new project is kind of it's it's based around making video game documentaries which is something i kind of did when i was at GameSpot when i had the time and i think the only thing that made me feel okay about it was i thought that like 
I thought, okay, I got this like super privileged position that like, granted I worked hard for it, but I still lucky that I managed to work there for five years. I had this huge audience at GameSpot, one of the biggest gaming sites in the world. They were super good to me. They never said no to anything I did unless it was like really stupid. There was this one video we did in Russia where we were looking for communist toilets and they made me edit that. In retrospect, it was probably a good idea. But apart from that, uh, it was, they were, they that, were super good. Uh, there is actually it's on it's somewhere it's on some <laughs> youtube i think it's on mine actually i hope that's the um, first no clip video is a deeper dive <laughs> <Right>. yeah <laughs> watch watch that patreon tank right. <laughs> or or not like, yeah exactly yeah you never who know. knows um yeah so i guess like i felt like you know what if i'm gonna be the if i'm gonna leave this then i'm gonna like i'm if you the, the thing that happens to people in games is they either go to work in PR or they go to work in marketing or they go work at a studio because it's like, you know, it's expensive to have families and have kids and, and, and you know, security is important and all that. So I thought, you know what, like maybe that happens eventually. Maybe that's what happens to everyone. But I'm just going to like go for the big swing, the thing I always wanted to do. Just like, like, fuck it. Like, I might as well. I'm in this position anyone else would love to it was kind of like a freebie it was like mm. like i'll just do it and if it works then then amazing and maybe we'll be able to build something that changes the way people think about games coverage if we like do this whole thing without advertising and make stuff that's better than the game sites are making like that'll make people change and if it doesn't work then i tried i can sleep at night you know what right, i mean like right. the grand mission i went on 10 years ago to like fix games coverage will feel like at least i gave up my best shot um so the past two weeks has been weird because i've been thinking about this thing in some way for like six months and saving up my you know any money i could and and thinking about you know logistics and and what it looks like and how what the messaging is and all that sort of stuff and basically keeping it to myself because i couldn't really tell anyone about it and i couldn't work on the documentary you know stuff even pitching it to people because i was working at GameSpot, and that's a massive conflict of interest so it was uh it was weird It, it felt like I imagine it feels like what it's like when you're like waiting for a baby to be delivered or something and you <laughs> like you've waited nine months like a very small version of this obviously right where you're, you've waited so long that i'd say the last three weeks are just like for god's sake just calm like i've waited <laughs> long enough like i'm sick i'm sick of waiting and that's what a what it kind of felt like and and the other thing is like i couldn't tell people about it which sucks which meant that i was like lying to everyone for nine months you know mm. what i mean like Whenever anyone's saying, like, what, what are you going to be doing in six months? Or, like, how is everything going at work? Or, you know, what are you up to at the moment this weekend? I always had to, like, make something up because I was spending <laughs> my weekends working on this thing, you know? You had, you um, had, you had a pretty good poker face because I didn't ask too hard. But you were just like, nah, I can't say. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But right, I no wanted worries. to tell you. That's the thing. I wanted to. But there no. was like, and I, you know what? I actually probably would have told you, except there was like a couple of more people with yeah, yeah, us yeah, yeah, that yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, I wanted, I wanted to do the like elbow in the ribs, like friendy a, friendy a. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there, there were too many people around. Yeah. Me- me- so. Remember, you, you can always use pig Latin. It always confuses people. <laughs> right. like, you can always just <laughs> I don't know pig Latin. No I know yeah, Irish. Right. But no one else knows Irish. Oh shit! Now the worst hidden language ever. Yeah. Yeah, even my wife doesn't know Irish. <laughs> she's American. It's like right. useless. Right. She knows like three words. Right. Well, hell, if she's American, she barely knows English. <laughs> Unpatriotic, amazing. Right. Um, so, 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 so you mentioned that you kind of had this like ten-year process to kind of like you know implant your you know your view of what gaming journalism is. We've really loved all your videos and the stuff, as like uh, Kaka Beware said earlier. 
Um, I can't not call you that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um, now, um, and and you um, also expanded on that in like one of the uh, Q and A's on the Patreon site, really saying that you know that like you didn't feel like that like there was a lot of space for like pure passion projects that it always had to be kind of balanced against you know making money and clicks and like mm. all that stuff. My question is. You know, as gaming is the industry that it is, is it is it even possible to have on a big site, you know, on a big website? Is that possible? Does there always need to be this balance to have kind of like your tabloidish listicles and all that stuff on like a one side and then the passion projects on like another side? Or can you envision a world where there's where where there's a, a big business gaming and mostly passion projects? Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's possible. Like, the short answer is no. For big sites, big sites, big game sites, regardless of what, like, industry they're in, they are at the whim of the trends that are happening in digital publishing. And at the end of the day, like, everything in the press has been dictated by advertising revenue in some way or another, be it magazines becoming a, going out of fashion, newspapers going out of fashion, the type of news that we see, the more, you know, sort of... Uh, selective news that we see you know like uh, news right now is probably more left-wing and right-wing than ever before like you Mm. sort of you you go for what you want and and they pitch it to their own built-in audience um and then just even on the web stuff what's happened is that obviously like just straight up you know takeovers or advertisers or banners and all that stuff that's all become way less uh cost effective for advertisers so the rates on those have gone down the cpms um and then video was like the saving grace about six years ago it was like oh video is amazing it's way more engaging we can sell advertising on this stuff and what happened there for a while was that and i was very lucky in retrospect i sort of realized that video was like super expensive and super it was very it was worth a lot to a lot of companies especially in the video game space which is you know so important like you know we all grew up reading watching screenshots in magazines right like that's what we figured out when games were and then video is just wholly different like video allows you to actually see how the game is getting played so for game sites it was a perfect opportunity so then you had this situation where the people who are working in video on video game websites were actually really important like they could drive lots of views and the cpms on those were worth a lot the cpms on them have also gone down this is just the way advertising works it's like a cyclical thing you got to figure out the new hot thing and Mm. when you find the new hot thing which now is paid for content then the old thing isn't worth as much and paid for content it not only does it like kind of suck balls but also (laughs) it's it's the type of thing that like you can't have editorial people doing it which is sort of contrary to what people want to listen to because people yeah. generally have a writer or a journalist or a reviewer who they sort of like. So it's kind of this weird contradiction. And what's happening with game, big game websites is that like these are like GameSpot's a place that employs like dozens and dozens of people, right? Like it's got publishing people and it's got a video team and an editorial team. It's got salespeople. It's got marketing people. It's part of a bit or, big organization. And it can take a hit, you know, it can take a couple of years and not make profits or whatever or it can make low profits or whatnot. But at the end of the day, it has to support all those people. And in that situation, I was really lucky that I was like I was the spoiled prop there, there as well. I got to do work on the passion projects. Like, sure, I had the lobby and all these other things which got their own views. But like I was the one that was able to sort of do the cool looking good stuff that made it so that all the other stuff we were doing was kind of it was like a little bit of a balance. And that's the only way that that stuff's going to work for those sites is that they need to get like thousands and millions of clicks every day. If they're going to, you know, reach the advertising revenue required for them to employ all these people, and sure, there's always going to be like a certain amount of time 
left over to work on stuff and then it's up for creative people themselves to sort of do the passion projects yeah uh, but the problem i see now and this was part of the reason why i left was that like this isn't a problem that's like going to go away this it's it, it's on a trend and there's going to be less of that for me less time for that and there's going to be more of the clickbaity stuff and at the end of the day as well i kind of realized if i want to make like the really good video game docs i don't want them to exist on the same place like they can't go up on a website that also has like you know 10 no man's sky news videos that week (laughs) it needs to be it needs to be curated it needs to be its own little thing um so yeah to to sorry irish rambly i give long answers no that's perfect (laughs) (laughs) to answer your question like no i think the reality is big game websites they can only do them as like you know passion projects that exist if they're getting the money uh but thanks to i mean the economies of scale that you get with patreon uh it's actually easier now for individuals to to do it and i think it's only going to become easier in the next couple of years yeah yeah uh, you know um Danny, this is how brilliant you are. I, I had a follow-up question that spoke to uh, the tenor of, of the big companies and, and what's going on, but but also uh, how people like you know yourself, Sessler, Greg Miller, Gertzman, um, you know there there seem to be this this kind of trend of people being in the industry for a while, uh, building their brand within within an organization and then taking that and making that leap into entrepreneurship and you know did i mean you've already kind of said that but do you mind elaborating a little bit on on did you feel like that if you aged out of Mm. what what you know games you know not necessarily what GameSpot was doing but the industry itself um the, the 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 larger uh, trend of the industry itself in, in terms of media uh, and or did you feel like you just wanted to pursue your passion projects with the creative flexibility that uh, being your own boss gave you or was it both I, or was it none of that shit that's a really good question I, I actually I, it's something I haven't actually thought about but now that you mention it, it it's definitely like both it's I think a weird thing happened. We did the, like a GameSpot turn 20 a couple of months back and I've been a fan of the site for ever. And when I was doing it, I was I was reaching out to all these people. It's like to be like, oh, can I like mention you in this video and what you're doing now and all that. And as I was doing that, I was going down to like Greg Kasavin, you know, who works at Supergiant and, you yep. know, all these people, you know, Rich Gallup, all these people I loved. Mm-hmm. And I realized that they were all like 29 when they left GameSpot. Right. I was, I was 30 and I was like, oh, what? Like, <laughs> I'm older than my heroes? Like, what's going on? Uh, and then the other thing that, that happens a lot is that with big game websites, you kind of, so Twitch and YouTube has come in, right? And it's, right. it's they basically appeal to all of the younger gamers. So the average age of the big sites is higher than the average age of, of some of the other ones. And and that worries people because it means that the adoption rates are lower with younger people, which means the fallout, fall-off rates, they're not retaining people throughout life as they would be because what happens when people reach their mid-20s and late-30s is that they kind of stick to certain brands and then that's it, right? Right. So the thing that happens then is that, like, you've got IGN having, like, this big Snapchat team and then you've got, like, GameSpot <laughs> doing Facebook videos and all this other stuff. And that stuff, you know, makes sense. you got to grow that. But the thing is, and no one ever mentions this, is that if there's more younger gamers, then there's more older gamers later. Right. right. Like, right. they don't go away. Like, sure, some people get families and they can't spend as much time playing games or they can't watch, like, hour-long Let's Plays. But, like, 
there's still something for them, or there should be, but there kind of never was. And in the world of mass clickbaity, you know, there's almost too much news now. It's really difficult to find, like, curated content for those people. So it was kind of like... It's weird. Like, I, I, I look back on it now, Cicero, and it's, it's like this happy accident, right? Where actually, this was a really good time to leave for me. There are people who want this sort of curated stuff. It, it turns out they've also got more, you know, income that they're right. willing to spend on entertainment. Yep. And they yep. don't care if you don't produce 50 videos a week. They just want one good one every couple of weeks, right? <laughs> or like yep. a couple of good ones. So, yeah, it was, it was a bit of both. I was at GameSpot for five years. I think it was time for something new. I never really wanted to work in marketing or PR or anything like that. Right. And I, I, I used to be a sole trader. When I when I lived, worked in London, I worked for myself. And when I worked in Ireland, I worked myself for a bunch as well. Um, so it was kind of like, I'll just give it a go. And, you know, after seeing what Greg did last year and, and seeing, you know, getting into Patreon and seeing, you know, how people can, can fund themselves and funding a bunch of other people, it was kind of like, like, okay, this might actually be the right time to do this. Yeah, it, it's interesting that we, you know, great, great pinging on that C because it's like we talk about that often internally of just like we're a little bit too old for this shit. Right. <laughs> right. Like like we're trying to break into the industry at an mm. age that is unreasonable. Right. <laughs> but, but it's but it's cool because it's like we've we've kind of found in, uh, our niche and, and, and people like yourself and others have found us and and like our stuff. Um, yeah, like, the, yeah, like that's not like that's that's the way people want you to think, right? Yeah, like, right. and I know what you, and it's, and I know what you mean. Like, it is. Re- I was I remember like trying to do the hustle and I have a podcast when I was it was me and my crew in Ireland, right? And me and my buddy Timur Hussein, who's now the editor of Gamespot UK, and one of my friends from back home, we were just like trying to put it together, right? And like nobody will want to listen to us because we're just like it was like an Irish guy and a Pakistani guy talking about video games. Like, <laughs> who the fuck cares that we, you know? But like, it just. Like, we're now at the stage where, like, you don't need the audience that that those people need, right? Like, you just need, like, your dedicated audience to give a shit. And what you guys are talking about is something, like, unique. It's not it's not the same podcast that everyone else is talking about. It's coming from a different angle. It's coming from an angle that, like, that's why I got so excited when I found your podcast. Because it's like, oh, great, I'm not just listening to, like, people who think the exact same as me. Like, they, I mm. respect their opinions, but they're coming at it from a different angle. Like, a, like an authentic angle that I can sort of, like, learn from, right? So, like, I like, I hope you guys go from strength to strength, and I hope you keep trying this. I, and I know what you mean. It is like, you know, we're too old, or like, that's the way things work. And, you know, you obviously still got the hustle because you're still doing it. But I really <laughs> think that, like, this sort of stuff, this smaller stuff, and I know you're involved in Patreon, but, like, I think it's only going to get more commonplace. And I think we should keep riding this wave because I have a feeling that this is where journalism is going. And, and, if you guys have this, like you say, it's a niche, but like niches grow, right? Like yeah. there's more people in a niche than you're ever listening to. Uh, so sorry for interrupting, but I just want—I I couldn't help you. I couldn't have you no. say that bad thing about yourself because it's not—it's—it's it's not fair. You know what I mean? No, I mean it's one of those weird things that, like, when when the times get a little bit rough and you and it's like it's the it's the constant fight. And we had this conversation. We were on uh, the lobby with you, and it was like. Mm. Uh, you had brought up the point of like, hey, we at the at the time you were like, I'm with Gamespot, and it's easier for us to get the things that we need because we have this name back uh, yep. uh, backing us. And for us, it's like knocking on every door and getting a lot of no's. But then we, when you do get a yes, like today's a yes, right? So it's like when you get a lot of folks who you've wanted and, and kind of respect in the space to to see that your work is there and that we are like, 
I still say this and I say this with all honesty. Like, I do think that there is no one else doing the content that we're doing currently Mm -hmm. in the space. And I don't think any gaming show is doing it from the angle that we're doing it. So I believe in that fully. Um, But it's one of those things where like people who inspire us like yourself and, and, and that level of, of folks who were in that pocket, right? So like the Gerstmans, the Ryan Davises, the you know Brad Shoemaker is fucking my dude in my heart, who I <laughs> who I like love his work forever. Greg Kasavin, like I rolled up on him at one conference and told him that just just rolled up on him and told him that I was like I loved your work forever, right? And Jeff is Jeff as well when we were at the studio, but it's like who are the folks who during that time you know we all grew up in that space? Who are the people who are pertaining to no clip and how you want to kind of push this medium forward who are the folks who are kind of doing that work that inspire you now like like the way i want no clip to be like yeah the, like there are people like when we wanted to do when we wanted to do spawn on me we were like i want our show to be as smart as Al- adam sessler's bioshock review right <laughs> you know like we said that was the show that we wanted to do and continue that progress moving forward no clip will be the 30 for 30, you mentioned that as, as, a, as an example, but like yeah. who are the people when you looked at documentaries or looked at video game um, analysis or work or storytelling that you were like, I want my stuff to be in that vein? This is going to sound really arsy, but in terms of video games, <laughs> like kind of nobody. Mm. Like I think the easiest one I could connect it to would be what Jeff Keighley did with like the final hours of portal and stuff like that which he Mm. were like steam specials that he worked on which was in that guise right and i think he was doing it at a much more difficult time to do this stuff because it was kind of pre youtube even in a way and like definitely pre like this type of funding and stuff so i i I think jeff because because it was like similar sort of content wise but to be completely honest I've, i've looked at other other hobbies like well, that's why I mentioned, for instance, like 30 for 30 or Anthony Bourdain or Top Gear, which are these, you know, these shows where you don't have to be like a foodie or a motorhead to enjoy those shows. And like the amount of 30 for 30s I've watched about teams that I have had no clue about or sports <laughs> yep. that like, so true. I don't know. I watched that Cleveland one that right. went up. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. I don't even, I couldn't even tell you where Cleveland is on a map. <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of, I don't know, it's like, the thing about this stuff as well is, and it, this is one of the weirder aspects of people funding your work, is that, like, I never wanted, like, the point was my op-ed show, right? That was my opinion show, that's the way that thing was. But the documentary stuff that I did on GameSpot with No Man's Sky and The Witcher and the one we did with Overwatch a couple of months back, like, I was only ever talking and, and speaking on those as a narrative for the developers and there's been this thing that was beaten into everyone's heads in games coverage about five years ago that develop uh, previews are don't traffic and interviews are rubbish and the reasons that mm. was is because people were doing really shitty previews and not interviewing people in interesting ways like <laughs> and it's it takes just answering the questions and asking the questions in a different way shooting it in a t- different way you know being a bit more long for me and delicate with the subjects and caring about it instead of just like playing into the pr cycle and it was weird because like all these other industries figured it out but because video games is such a massive churn because preview events are something that people fly out for 24 hours come back get the gameplay up get the preview up you know do a little conversation about it and then that's your coverage no one ever thought that like you can do that but you can also do this like curated stuff so like i'm definitely inspired by a lot of stuff that's happened in television and like just like stories are interesting and people are interesting and like the people who make games they dedicate like 
five years of their lives to something and they're not even like it's not even like they're making the whole thing they're just making like this one part of it <laughs> like that's insane these are like educated clever people with families and passions and it was just it was kind of a no-brainer the the thing that was hard was trying to get people to believe that that's what you were doing so yeah. now it's a bit easier because i can point at things and go like look that one something like that <laughs> um but yeah, I you know I I kind of don't like saying that it's no one in the world of games. Uh, there was a lot of people in the world of games that inspired me to break in, and certainly did the work I did at Gamespot, and that's your Gersman and like all of the folks at, at Gamespot and Giant Bomb and and people at IGN and 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 all that. But like in terms of this sort of stuff, like I'm yeah, it's it's looking outside into people that tell stories about things that you don't care about, but they tell the stories in interesting ways right. or allow the people who are involved in the stories to tell those stories in interesting ways. And like, who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love hearing about authentic human experiences? Right. Mm. Uh, perfect. Perfect segue, Danny. It's, it seems <laughs> like you've, you've done this before. Um, so, so, <laughs> so, so you, uh, you, you talked about how you GDC is one of your favorite conferences. Mm. Um, and and part of the reason that it's it's one of your favorites is because you have those dev to dev conversations about the industry and about games themselves. Um, how much of that thought process um, influenced the the genesis of of NoClip, and how much of it will influence the content that NoClip produces? I think, uh, yeah, I think one of the like questions that keeps coming up a lot of the time. Cicero is like what are you going to talk about right because the, mm. there's like this we all kind of know in the world of like covering games that everyone's going to talk about the games that are coming out in the next couple of months so like that's like a no-brainer like oh we'll talk about watchdogs we'll talk about x or z or whatever uh, and then i started to like plant the seed of like we're gonna do a lot of like retrospective stuff that's interesting and then it's like oh that's an easy thing to remember like okay what's your favorite game right. uh, resident evil okay we could go talk to those people like that's interesting but then when, once you get out of that, people don't know what the hell you're going to talk about because games coverage has never really gotten into this stuff. And if it does, it does it in really broad strokes or or does something like Indie Game the Movie, which was a massive production and took them years and was a big, huge bet and all that. So, like, short production, interesting stories have never really happened. But the weird thing is, when you go to places like GDC, you find these weird stories all the time. I remember I went <laughs> yep. to one... Who's the gentleman's name? The guy who made Frog Fractions. I always forget his name. Oh, Actually, yeah. I, yeah. He, he lives I in this part of town as well. Um, Jim Crawford. I went to one of his speeches, and it was basically about retaining, like, mystery in video games and how the web and everything has, like, torn out the idea of mystery. Remember when he played, like, Mario or Mortal Kombat, and you're like, yo, if you, like, you know, stand beside the statue and, like, hit, you know, <laughs> A three times, like, yeah, Sonya Blade totally takes all her clothes off. You know, right, it's like, right. you, can, you can tear off Scorpion's head 15 times. Yep. And it was, that's, like, totally disappeared, right? right? And, like, that's a story in and of itself. And then he decides to make this game essentially, like, exposing that. And that was just, like, an hour at GDC that, like, I figured I was like, oh, that would be something to dive into, and you could, you know, cover that in loads of different ways. And then, like the Overwatch or the Witcher one was another great example of. We went out there to cover the Witcher. You never know what you're gonna know what what you're gonna come across. We could just talk about the game, and it'll probably be interesting in its own right. But while I was out there, I went out with the CD Projekt guys or the CD Projekt guys. Right. Um, <laughs> they like scorn at you every time you say it in an English way. It's really discerning. <laughs> and I went out with them, and like one of the stories they told me about like communism was that 
oh yeah, they used to like play games over the radio. And I was like, what? Yeah. And he said, yeah, like they used to have, cause you know, like old, like, you know, Amstrad's and Commodore 64's have played games off tapes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like the, the government owned radio stations would play games over the radio and people would record them what? <laughs> wow. onto tapes. And like, I was like, like, like what? And he was like, yeah, I was like, it's not legal. And he was like, well, it was communism. So there was no copyright law. Right. Wow. <laughs> Everything's collectivized. Right. So like there's stories about this shit everywhere. It's just that like, there's never been a way to really tell them. And the great thing about this is that, like, I'm looking forward to covering games that are coming out in the future. I'm looking forward to going, you know, finding some of my favorite developers and talking to them about the, the old games they made. But, like, I want to tell all the weird things as well. Like, yeah. I want to go and tell all those interesting stories about, you know, games that are happening or people who play. Like, there's this there's this lady who lives in rural Virginia who's, like, I think she's 85 and she plays Skyrim on YouTube every day. Yeah. What? Like, yep. yeah. Like, yep. she puts up, like, a video, like, twice a day or something about, like, her playing Skyrim. And it's amazing. She refers to her viewers as grandchildren. Oh, <laughs> my God. That's great. Like, could you imagine just, like... <laughs> That's so good. Going to her place and just, like, recording it and talking to her about it for, like, I'd watch that. Hell, yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> so, that's it's that. And then, like, I mean... You know, we'll get around to it eventually, uh, and I might as well pitch you guys now. But like, one of the things I want to do is talking about, like, I want to talk about everything in terms of. There's this whole like subsection called profiles that we're going to do. I've actually not mentioned this on anything else before, which is going to be like more short form, like five minutes. This is a gamer in the world kind of thing. Ah. Um, because I really want to. One of the things I want to do is to like really break down the concept of what a gamer is, because it's. I'm sick of it's like the whole thing like picture a scientist right like right. picture a right. scientist in your right. head it's right. a it's a white dude with bald head wearing a lab coat right yeah, it's Neil so deGrasse like, Tyson for me but yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay like that point right it's like let's tear down the idea of what a gamer is right. like it's yep. not just a white guy playing Call of Duty it's mm-hmm. it's a granny playing Skyrim in Virginia it's right. a bunch of black guys playing it's a bunch of you know Irish dudes playing it's a bunch of Polish people recording fucking games off the radio like (laughs) that type of stuff and then the other thing i want to do is like really dive into different ways in which the media works with games and i would love to do something on spawn army oh nah yes we're not interested Uh, (laughs) not 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 after you said that whole white scientist dude thing there's some there's some some inherent bias in there yeah uh uh, the answer would probably be yes of course i i I would uh hell hell yes is probably the better answer um, but that's what, and it feels like that's where this stuff is for is that like i feel like what's happened is that all these people have entrusted me with the responsibility of go find the stories tell us about stuff that's interesting mm-hmm. and it's not just like what i say that's interesting like that's not what they want that's not what i want to do what i want to do is be this sort of like curator for all the stuff that's out there and then start like spreading people out to to different types of gaming experiences they hadn't thought of you know like kind of feeding them like what they want like retrospectives on games that they love but then also like presenting them with stuff that challenges them you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah right yeah and, and uh yeah so, so like so like you obviously have big plans like like you're flying on all over the place like your patreon's at the level where you're doing these international trips mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's at the podcast level yet but like you have all kind of stuff kind of going on so do you still have time to play games? <laughs> I have so much more time to play games now than I did at GameSpot. Wow. It's, wow. it's it's insane because, like, 
I work nine to five at GameSpot. Like I said, my wife is a therapist. She works crazy hours. So she works weekends a lot of the time. And then, you know, we don't. So whenever we have time together, I'm like spending time with her all the time. So number one, I don't have to commute anymore. So that's taken two hours out of my day. Number two, I'm way more in charge of the amount of time that I can spend with my my better half. So that allows me more flexibility. And then like I'm I'm. At the moment, like the the sort of way this video stuff works, the production is that it's really intensive work for like a week or two, where it's like right. shooting and editing. It it comes in like flashes, and then outside of that, it's a lot of waiting. It's a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, and within those times, you've got you know spaces of time in between. And I got so used to working at Gamespot and churning out multiple videos a day and just like being on it constantly and producing, 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 and now like. I, I was really worried the first week where I was like, I can't produce to that level because I've got to like figure out my, you know, send my tax things and sort out my business stuff and all this. And the patrons are just like, nah, just like you do you just figure it out. We're, yeah. we're going to be here. And that's been like a massive blessing. So in that respect, I've been able to, I mean, I haven't played that much. I mean, it's like pick up games of rocket league for 20 minutes and then back to work. <laughs> but it's, it's there like tomorrow I'm going to like play Forza on a stream for a couple of hours. And like, I have the time to do that now. So yeah, like I'm super, super blessed right now. It's, it's working out really good. And the one thing that's like keeping me on, on the edge a lot is trying to book the first documentaries. Cause I really want to get one out yeah. um, in the next month. And I'm like, I'm right there from hearing about the first one. So <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I've got ones booked in 2017, like so many, so much stuff, but it's the close ones that are the hardest. Yeah, the uh, time, time is ticking, right? It's like one of those things where the expectations, I'm sure, are just like, we need it now, but not not, not yet. Right. Like, yeah, Wait. it's it's uh, they, people are actually being more patient than I am, I think. <laughs> and that's where my wife's coming in and being like, just calm down. They, yeah. They've got I mean, your back. Danny, it's only been two weeks, man. I know it does seem like it's been like forever. But it's only been two weeks. Oh, Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. What would you like to see? Like, if you had a wish list of what would be the the documentary you'd like to see, like, what would it be? Be it a game or an aspect of gaming culture or whatever? I'll I have it, two. I'll save mine for last. I have two. One is the Jeff Gersman story that he told once about, uh, and I constantly talk about this, of Raphael Sadiq uh, being an owner of... Ilphonic. Uh, Ilphonic. And how the fuck that came to be. And the second would be, I would love to see someone dig deep and do a real dig, a real deep dive on Jerry Lawler. I'm sorry, Jerry Lawson. Jerry Lawler is the wrestler. <laughs> if anyone Lawler. wants to do that one, you can just watch. You can just watch the Andy Kaufman movie. You can see right. that one. Jerry, Jerry Lawson, who helped create the game cartridge. Yes. I would love to see someone go back and do that. Because that was a black dude that no one knows that was a part of sure. right. gaming oh, history. One of my so uncle's like, best friends. I would friends. love to hear that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's an interview yeah. subject right there for that. Yeah. Yeah. He died a number of a number of years ago, didn't he? Yes, yes, yes yeah. he did. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had, uh, diabetes. Yep. Yeah, I, great, I, I, great story I, about him pulling his eye out at my uncle's house. What? Oh my yeah. god! Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like like and put it back in, presumably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a fake eye because he he <laughs> lost his eye from diabetes. <laughs> right. He just, he so he was like, "Yeah, hey, check this out," and he pull, he plopped it out. He I give a lot about just... fucking video games, <laughs> right? Right. And that he just he's fucking ogred his his way around <laughs> <laughs> around the 
around the house, scaring my eyes. Looking around corners and shit. Yeah, yeah, it was, oh, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to see a documentary about um, sort of like the later years of arcades, sort, mm. sort of like around like sort of like the Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat era, and how, because how and if it's connected at all to sort of primarily urban areas. Right. Because I feel like that in those early 90s, like most of the arcade stuff I saw was like in the hood, <laughs> like uh, people playing Street Fighter, these like bootleg versions out there. Every bodega and pizza place yes. had a version mm-hmm. of it. And at the time I went to a suburban high school and people, you wouldn't find those machines in the suburbs. So it was weird. It was like most full arcades were gone, but you still saw these machines like in the hood. So I'd love to see something kind of exploring like, like, like the late arcade stuff. Like, 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 like that would be cool. Do you think that's informed why we sort of see so much racial diversity in the fighting game community? Yes. Where we oh don't yeah, absolutely. See that? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Think so. One hundred percent. I mean, they were they were the only games around. Was that like the only games people had access to? Is that yeah. kind of the yeah. yeah yeah? And you and you would have people from every stripe in those places when yeah. you were just going and getting mm-hmm. your ass kicked by people who were like yep. twice your age. <laughs> yep. So was that like an access thing? Like folks who maybe didn't have consoles at home like this was the way that they played games or was it like a was it more of like a community kind of thing where that's where you went to hang out with your with your mates i think it was a little bit of both yeah and it was actually like a safe space too like that was a place that a lot of kids went to like especially because i was like a latchkey kid so i would go to the arcade to hang out until my mom got home so then i knew someone would be home I would spend my two bucks and and do what I need to do in my Mortal Kombat days, but then like go home right after that to go home. Uh, so yeah, it's like all those things. It's interesting that you kind of brought that up because that's I didn't think about it in that way either. But now that's like totally a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Reef Reef really hit it right there. Um, so yeah, Danny, do that thing. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know now that the thunder has been stolen, I, I would and and I think you're relatively close to him. I would love to see, and it's it's kind of been done, but a deep dive into Mike Micah's mm. arcade museum. Yes. Um. So, like, not only does Mike have, like, you know, famously have a museum of all museums of arcade games, uh, not only ar- arcade console games and cartridges and stuff like that, underneath his bedroom in this escape hatch. This guy is I've I've coined him the Forrest Gump of video games. He knows, you know, a little bit about everyone and he's been mm. at the crossroads of, of so many different things. Um, the amount of knowledge that he has uh, is like a video game museum in it, in and of itself. So just kind of a, a, a dive into Mike Micah uh, in a way that most people haven't had a real chance to understand him. Uh, that that would awesome. be amazing. I mean, like, I th- I feel like we've all been there because of Robert Ashley's "A Life Well Wasted" right. yeah, <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah. When right. he went down, I feel like I feel like I've been in that basement because that podcast was produced so well that like you <laughs> walk descend into it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like it's weird. Like I've followed Mike for years, and and now he's my neighbor because he lives in Oakland. So right, right. <laughs> we should probably we should probably do that one actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, that goodness. way it wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't have to pay any uh, hotels or fly anywhere. So. <laughs> yeah, it's great. My camera op lives in Berkeley. So. Right, right. Oh, yeah. so there you go, man. You, can, you, you know, can you stay on the east side of the bay and just call it a fucking day. Have some uh, <laughs> fish tacos and just. Call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's done. 
Then you can do the retrospective of, of Watch Dogs 2 since you have the Oakland references already oh in, in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be super interesting. I had the guy on the E3 GameSpot stage last year. And like, so I'm like, I'm like a, you know, I'm a blow in into the Bay Area, right? But I'm also like part of the sort of gentrification that's happening in Oakland, right? Right, right. But it's, it's only going to get, you know, worse and worse. And, right. you know, the area I'm in is super diverse and it has a lot of people who have been here a long time. But like, you can see it like chipping away month by month, month by month. And it was weird. So I was really interested in like talking to him about like how you got, it's great. You guys have got an African-American protagonist who's from Oakland going over to San Francisco. It's like, I know what this is. Like, this is, right. I know this is exactly what happens, you know, like the, the, the beating pulse of African-American culture here. And, you know, the amount of like protesting that happens around here, the amount of just like community that exists around here. It's like, great. You guys are going for it. And I talked to him about it and it's, it was like so much like, no, you're, you're really not like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like why is he from Oakland then? Like right. say he's from Temescal or yeah. fucking Bayview or right. like it's the just, mission. I was so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be interesting. What do you guys think about that? Have you talked about, have you played? We're, much of we're that trying to knock it? on their door and be like, Hey, there's two folks that we're really trying to get in on the show is like the folks from the watchdogs team to talk about that. And Can also I guess the, the other, well, go ahead. Ma- Mafia? Yes, fuck yes. 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 They're oh, local. My. They're super local. Oh my god. We're trying to get them on the show so bad. Because those are two like those are two stories and two viewpoints that are really interesting and I don't know because we uh, me and C watched the uh uh C and I, I should say C and I were in the demo that they had at E3 for the Mafia folks. Right. And mm. we kind of turned to each other and was like going into it, we were like, all right, are they gonna get this right? Are they gonna right. get this right? And then we turned to each other, and we were like they're not going to get this right. <laughs> oh, really? Well, well, it's so, not in, yeah, go ahead, see. Yeah, so the funny thing is they and, – and Deus Ex did the same – did a lot of the same types of things where it's like they started on the right direction and they started making the moves that you thought like, oh, man, you know, they're attacking this head on. And then they start to veer. And, you know, I'm going to hold out judgment for yeah, yeah. Mafia – because you know the game's not a game hasn't been released. I haven't been able to play the story. I haven't really been able to engross, uh, you know, engage myself in it. Um, but it, you know, if for those of you who haven't seen it yet, uh, please go and check out Gaming Looks Good episode twenty four, where uh, Sharif just completely breaks down uh, what what uh, every what was done with uh, Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution. And was that what it's called? No, mankind divided. Mankind yeah, divided. Yeah, yeah, mankind divided. Um, and, and their and their mechanical apartheid, where they did things, but you had to find it. Um, yeah. And even when they, and even when you found it, you sometimes were left wanting. And, yeah. and you know, and that's kind of like you want to applaud them, but you want to be disappointed, and you also want to be angry, and you know, so it's it's just it's always such a mixed bag. Like with the thing that we kind of talked about before we go to break um, is when C and I finished uh, hanging out and then we were, we were sitting next to Chris Plant right. while, uh, while we were watching another thing. And we were like, I, if you're going to do it, do it. Go right. all the right. way and do it. Get dirty, get grimy with it and let people know exactly what the time was like. It's the only way the emotional impact is going to hit. Mm-hmm. And hearing the kind of um, sentiments that Austin Walker had uh, after he had like a hands on demo, he was like, what it feels like currently is like people who have the license and have the understanding of what they're trying to do. They're using kind of 
the time frame and time uh, parts that are uh, the things that most people think about, like using the N word and kind of being um, uh, uh, discriminatory in the ways that we know the civil rights movement kind of pushed yeah. against, but it doesn't feel like they're using it in the ways that actually make that uh, something that a person who is not of color right. would really and not recognize, of that time period and not of that time right. period would really hit home for them. Right. So I hope that they kind of get around that corner. I think they need some more more brown people on that team to make that happen. Because uh, I know one of the writers is black, but I saw mm. the picture of the team and I was like, in fall, uh, it looked like snow everywhere. I was like, oh, you need more brown people. You need more brown people because you're not going to get this right if you don't have that stuff. But we'll figure, we'll figure that stuff out. Um, Can I, do you mind if I ask you a question about this? No, yeah. of course. Sorry, no I just, I, uh, yeah, I've, I've, lots of things sort of fly around my mind when we yeah. talk about this sort of stuff. Like, obviously, it's it's wonderful that games can, can get into this stuff and, and have the ability, you know, to dive into areas which, which you know, matter like like actual social issues that we can sort of talk about but do you guys ever get like sick of the fact that you can't have a african-american individual in a game without that aspect of their like blackness being front and center well <sighs> so yeah yes. wow, that's so complex so so like this, this... Yes, just a simple question before the break right <laughs> yes so like th- this is very similar to tv movies books games all that stuff like you don't put a black character, a gay character, a disabled character, and just make that their identity, mm. like, mm. like, because that kind of removes the humanity that they go through this, you know, similar stuff that everybody goes through. So I hate when black people are in, you know, any kind of medium, and like, just like I'm black, blackity black, 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 <laughs> you know, or or like I'm gay, giggity gay, 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 you know. Like, like, uh, like, uh, that's only a part of who you are. And I feel like, you know, I'm, I love seeing more, you know, non cis white Ubisoft man kind of characters in these games, but I hope that they're not just checking the box and and just saying, Hey, PLC, like, uh, protagonist and not really diving into it and not really saying, you know, how do we develop this character as a person? Same way you would do with any kind of, of like, of like character. So like, just like making that diversity point, that's not finishing the job. And I feel like a lot of times, big companies, they they just see it as like I feel like late in the design process, they're like, oh my god, we need a black person in this game, you know, <laughs> right. um, and then they just kind of put it in there. And like it, it just it just rarely feels like really, um, really, really well developed. Um, and it, you know, and it's not a good look. And then you get into this weird thing where like, they'll, they'll like release it, they'll like release it and they will complain. And then they'll be like, see, I mean, I mean, we try to do it and then people complain. (laughs) Right. I I mean, we can't win, (laughs) you know? And like, it's like, you know, as, as, as uh, Chris said, like, you got to get messy. Like you gotta, like, like you're going to mess up. You know what I'm saying? Like when I yeah. deal in like areas that I have a uh, privilege in, like a feminism, you know, like a like a sexuality and stuff, I mess up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like that doesn't mean that I escape from those spaces or I victim blame the actual people that I'm messing up their stuff about. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I think. And this is as a, as a consumer of the media and having been a consumer for, you know, I'm 38 now since I was, you know, th- since I was three starting when I was gaming. But it was like 
seeing these characters kind of pop themselves up and then default dude that is white dude is just looked at as normal. But then when we are placed into those positions in those spaces, we have to have this extra magical thing that we do this extra special thing that we have. I'm like, we're not like fucking the people from, <laughs> from Mars. We have to have this, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like we don't yeah. have to have this crazy thing. I'm like, that makes us special. I'm like, we do the same things that everybody else does. Then why does it have to be this extra thing? But yeah, it's, it's one of those weird things where we're hoping to see even the kind of buffoon, like uh, we played um, agents of mayhem. Yeah. At, at uh, E3. <laughs> And the the thing that I came away from was um, I remember the Jackass television series. And I said, you couldn't do that show if you were black because people would make the assumption that that's the way you are, as opposed to you doing a thing that is a part of a show or a part of marketing or a part of all these other things that are don't aren't assigned to you from the society that you live in. And Agents of Mayhem, when we walked out of there, we were like, damn it. This one dude who they had who was the black dude was this big sailor kind of guy. And he, he was the heavy. And the heavy was like, he said some random random phrase. And I was like, it was like Reef saying black and black, black, black. And I was right. like, oh, you could have had it. Yeah. You had it and you yeah. didn't have to do it. Hmm. But you did it. So don't do that. You don't have to. So, yeah, we're hoping that the medium gets better. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I I was just going to say that, you know, the the ironic thing about all of this is I think that the the one game that did marginalize people the best uh, this year so far uh, has been Ubisoft's The Division. Um, It may be the the one thing that they did well in that game (laughs) is is really show uh, lots of diverse voices and faces and uh, ideals uh, within the game. You know, the doctor that you save early on in the game happens to be gay. And, you know, she mm. talks about it within within her story. But it's not, that's not the, the crux of her story. Mm. Um, and and even, even some of the antagonists, there's, you know, there was the, the black woman who was, the head of the Rikers or whatever, whatever one of those dumb fucking games. Larry Barrett, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, and and uh, you know, so there were there were parts of her her personality that were very very, you know, not necessarily coonish, but they were they they really they towed that line. But then when you listen to the dialogue and the way that they explained it, mm. a lot of things made a lot of sense, and and you know what you were able to see in a lot of those characters within that game was a a true understanding of their motivations and why they've decided to take the stake within that within that world that they've chosen to take um and and you know it, it's surprising that it came from of all places Ubisoft because they're mm. they're the ones that are are you know most guilty of being the opposite you know they're yeah. the poster child for uniformity and the last and last year's the stuff with the two K um, story stuff that Spike Lee did was 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 fairly good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like that, that, that absolutely. Fe- that feels like it hit stuff that was on point and made black people not seem like they were these extra yep. extra things. They were people who because I hate the word normal, but they were people who did things that everyone else does, and they have families, and they have people, and they have motivations, and all that stuff. Right. Freaking and vibing. 
<laughs> yeah, but then he had his name Frequency Vibrations. Anyway, <laughs> come on, Spike. Damn it, Spike. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back after this. Hanging out with Daniel Dwyer. This is fucking awesome. We'll be back right after this. I want to talk about our brand new sponsor, Fracture. What Fracture does is it takes the lost art of printing photos and it makes it fashionable again. Uh, imagine being able to take your precious moments and uploading them to a website and in a few days having a borderless, all glass, vivid and sleek version, rendition of your memory that you can place in your home or in a family's home or just display on a, on a table or what have you very, very easily. And it matches any decor because, like I said, it's borderless and it's glass and it's beautiful. It's it's science. Um, Fracture is amazing. Fracture is affordable and Fracture is easy. So what you guys want to be able to do is uh, you want to use Fracture, obviously. So you want to go to FractureMe.com slash podcast. Answer the one question survey where they ask you where you heard about Fracture. And of course, you're going to say in Chicago where everything is dope. Spawn on me. And you watch the video. You can save some money and you're going to use Fracture. Fracture is amazing. Check them out. FractureMe.com slash podcast. Answer the one uh, one question survey and let them know Spawn on me sent you. Thanks. Hey guys, this is Milton, host of the Slavomic Gamer Podcast, where I talk all things gaming and nerdy, from anime to zombies and everything in between. You can find me on iTunes and SoundCloud at Slavomic Gamer. Welcome everybody to the Spawn of Me Podcast, episode 135. We are back from our break. Heard a couple of dope things about our folks over at Fracture and some other folks who we think are especially cool and you should check out. If you missed the first half of our show, we are hanging and rocking with no clips, Danny O'Dwyer. We are having a fun time, man. It's so good to have you on the show. Uh, I have a question pertaining to something that I have noticed and I'm actually fairly jealous about. Okay. So I I have been trying to figure out and get into the kind of front-facing side of the industry. We all have done it in some forms of fashion. C is a, is a former thespian. Reef is just dope at everything that he does, and he talks in front of people and introduces Neil, De, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Tyson and all that other good stuff. <laughs> but the thing that I've always noticed about your work and, and folks that have been in the industry for a while is that you have one of the easiest interview styles that I've seen in a long time. Like, you have a lot of calm. You always have fun. Uh, you always seem interested. You've never had the show that I've seen, at least where I've seen a bunch of other folks who are like, they fall off and they get mm. to it. They get to the break or they get to the part of the show. And there's like, you see, they kind of threw in the towel and then it's like going through the questions that they really didn't give a shit about asking. <laughs> how did you come up with your interview style? How, how did you get so good at doing these kinds of pieces? I think, I think it's like a happy accident. It's, it's almost like a, you know, like the, the, it's probably has some sort of root in like anxiety and like the, the, the <laughs> what is it like the way of least resistance or whatever, right. where uh, talking to people like I talk to people when I'm doing interviews the way I talk to people when I'm talking to people normally. And that's what makes me feel calm about it, because I remember mm. when I first started working in radio when I was a teenager that like whenever I'd have somebody on who I was asking questions about, I had all the questions and I thought I have to answer the question the right way. And then if I don't, they their answer won't be good. And I need to make sure I answered these questions. Whereas when you do that, you sort of end up 
being in this like robotic PR dance. Yeah. Whereas if you actually just like if you start it as a normal conversation, it, it might they might be in the PR dance for a while, which is definitely something that is like prolific in games coverage more than anywhere else, probably. Probably the same in film, right? If you do that, then maybe by the end of the interview, they've actually started to talk like a human being. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, yep. like, I think it's it's that probably. And then, you know, I'm, like, fascinated by everyone. Like, I grew up in a small town in the southeast of Ireland. So the fact that I get to speak to any of these people, you know, even if they're just the artists on a game that's being made in, you know, Missouri, it's like, that's still, like, sexy to me. That's, like, right. interesting and weird and 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 something that would never have happened in my life. So... Yeah, it's like it's it's partly trying to like disarm people a bit and then also just like I'm genuinely enthused by this stuff and Irish people are super chatty and we love like, <laughs> you know, te- we love telling stories and hearing other people's stories. That's kind of the way the language kind of evolved in Ireland is is very much like a storytelling sort of culture. So I think it's yeah, it's it's like it's it's fascinating work. I think like the minute you you start finding it not fascinating is when you move over and let somebody have a go, you know. Yeah. And I haven't I haven't quite reached that yet. Um, but yeah it's just like i like to hear it's weird because i'm rambling so much now but like i genuinely just like to like (laughs) ask people of their experience and let them do it and let them speak and as long as they feel confident and they don't think that i'm manipulating them or i'm not interested then you know people open up their hearts and then if you have it on camera that's awesome you know yeah yeah so so uh you i mentioned sort of you know like the you know obviously you talked about the fact that like you do have a irish background you worked at GameSpot in in uh, in a uh, london one thing i've noticed is that a lot of times i'll go to sites like Eurogamer and i'll pay attention to like the like esports stuff that's like going on in that part of like the world as well as opposed to like here in the states do you see sort of like the differences in coverage between like the states and uh, europe and like are there sort of like pros and cons of like working on the uk side and the us side i think the uk stuff is a lot more in in terms of like the behind the scenes stuff it's a bit more incestuous because everything's kind of in london like it's all in one place at least in the states it's spread out across the two coasts like it's still going to be a major city as you got lasf and new york and then you know vancouver and all the stuff in canada because of all the tax breaks has sort of gone up there as well so it's relatively spread out um whereas in london like PR people and media people go to the same bars and it's all relatively localized. Uh, But in terms of like culturally, I think there just is a very big difference in the way that Americans and English people write. Like it's Hmm. just the way they even think about things. Like English people are a lot drier and sort of matter of fact and their humor is totally different. And humor is such an a massive part of writing, regardless of if it's comedy writing in, in... in the uk like so i think that's probably a big difference is that that sort of isn't there's a lot more matter of fact reporting here but really when you get down to the sort of like tabloidy coverage that happens everywhere now like that's just its own language and i think you lose a lot of the cultural nuance in the mix with that because it's it's so it's so rote you know yeah do do you feel like there would be a better mix if we had more folks who are from overseas here doing more game coverage because like I know, um, oh my God, why can't I think of his name? Torek Musa, yeah, is, yeah, is a favorite favorite of ours, and his his sense of humor and his wit are specifically um, South African. Kind of, right. No, no, I wasn't gonna say that. See, I was gonna say they are specifically 
interesting because he comes from South Africa, <laughs> not because he is South African. But they, they, they ping on things that we don't get to think about and things that we don't uh, talk about here uh, because of that stuff. Do you feel like there are a lot of bits and pieces that American audiences could be getting from those conversations? I, I don't necessarily think there's that, but I do think that there is a wider problem in that everything is either coming from London or from San Francisco or from New York. Mm-hmm. And like that's kind of insane when you think about... I mean, we are the Western gaming audience, right? So like, right. okay, like we're the English-speaking Western game audience, so there's a certain amount of... Like that's, you know, that's that's going to happen by default. But no, I think like one of the biggest things that i wish happened more with especially because the internet is sort of democratized you know geography like that was a massive part of being in ireland was suddenly like we felt connected to the rest of the world in a way that which we weren't you know like the only thing i knew about america growing up came from friends and the simpsons so Mm. like you know i remember when a mcdonald's was opened in dublin like that was a big (laughs) deal so one of the most frustrating things I, i find about it is that we're still there's still these like pillars of of journalism that exists in certain places when really there shouldn't be. So you're right. Like I'd love to hear more, you know, different types of people's experiences, whether it be on geographical grounds or racial grounds or whatever. But I don't necessarily think that the difference between like, yeah, there are differences between the UK and America. And that's interesting. But I think outside of that, there's way more interesting things up, you know, way more interesting voices that I wish the world of games coverage was able to, um, I guess magnify, but it kind of hasn't. Like it's it's yeah. kind of the same people doing it now as it was ten, fifteen years ago, which is a it's a little bit weird. Like it it shows you that it's definitely like a cultural thing that's happening within games coverage. Yeah. You know? did, mm. did you find that some of the same conversations around um, gender diversity and racial diversity that are obviously going on here in the states? Did you find those going on in like Ireland in like uh, the UK both in and in, and like outside of gaming was it like a like a big said thing there or like was it kind of an unsaid thing that wasn't like discussed as much I think it was said by people who were in the, that situation and not said by the people who weren't like I think <laughs> right. female writers were talking about it and I think you know non-white reporters were talking about it as well but like I think it's probably been at the same pace where that sort of stuff has has opened up, or more people, more you know, non-white cis people have started talking in the games press globally. I think there was just like that's the one thing at least that the movement sort of happened globally, you know, without boundaries. Uh, but yeah, it was it was the same thing. I mean, like England's got its plenty of own race problems going back hundreds of years as well, sure. you know. And I was sort of like I remember witnessing that first time. Uh, being an Irish person and sort of realizing what my place was in the world because my place in Ireland was one thing and then when I moved to London I I had this sort of like little bit of a victim you know uh, victimized like process in my head where I'm like oh nobody's giving me work because I'm because I'm an Irish guy (laughs) and I remember not apply (laughs) <laughs> right yeah like I, which was probably born out of my own you know ignorance more than anything else actually if, uh, there's one moment uh, it's not a long story but there's one moment where it, it really dawned on me sort of what what my place was and then what my place was within the games industry because i always thought myself as a weird outsider i had to move to england and all that sort of stuff mm. and that was that I, I used to play football for a team in bethnal green in the east of london i found them on gumtree which is basically oh, like yeah. the craigslist of england oh yeah i remember gumtree yeah yeah, yeah. Wait, oh, did they have I've, it over I've here heard, as well? I've heard of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah, whenever like shady shit happens, like you remember that PlayStation that got leaked? Yeah. yeah. That Eurogamer went to? That was Gumtree. Yeah, so like yeah, that's yeah. what that thing is. So I found this team, right? And I used to play with them all the time. And the manager, the guy who posted it, was a guy called Chris. He ended up living on the same side as me. So we'd go to matches all the time. And then afterwards, everyone would get drinks. And then we'd all sort of live on the same side of town. So we'd go home. And we had a bunch of games and all this. And, and I, I was the only Irish guy in the team. And it was like fun. And I was used to like being a sort of an outsider. And I remember then one night we all went out for drinks and we were going home and we were getting a cab home and uh, we were hailing a cab and he was like, oh, you're going to have to hail the cab, man. And I was like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? And uh, Chris was born in Oxford, third generation England, English, but he was black and the cabs mm. didn't stop for him. Uh-huh. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I'm the guy who was bombing your country, apparently, (laughs) like 15 years ago. (laughs) But I'm actually in, like, the privileged position. And it, like, fucked with my head. I was like, that's what... It sort of, like, really magnified where my place was within games or within, like, just the world. And then sort of inside of games coverage, realizing, actually, no, I'm I'm not really that different. I'm actually just, like, I'm another british sort of irish person i just have a weird accent right. <laughs> but, my, but my viewpoint is very very similar yeah. uh so i think i mean i don't i don't know if much has really changed i think there are more writers i think we have access to more writers which has happened yeah. but i don't really think that we have had like this that the the games press has really is that diverse at all in terms of racial gender or anything uh not not that much than what it was 10 years ago. I just think that the wonder of the internet is that you have access to more people talking, so by virtue of that, you're getting more voices. But I still think it's a problem for the games press. Yeah. I know C had a quick follow-up, but it was I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on it really quick. Oh, uh, I love oh, you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> is, it was funny because when, when we came to GameSpot... Exactly what I was oh, going to yeah. say. Oh, was? Okay, you can say <laughs> yeah. it then. No, fuck you, man. Go ahead and say <laughs> what you got to say. <laughs> okay, I, I got to mediate now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep the kids from fighting. Yeah, it was like we we had gotten back and we were we were super hyped, and I was like, I think that we might have been the only black people that have been on Gamespot or camera in about how many years? <laughs> like, uh, how many how many black people did you see on the way in? Oh well, I mean, I saw Reef, and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. Like, and it's 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 I don't know. Like, I don't know why it is. I. I it's 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 for loads of reasons that are part of a country that I'm still trying to like wrap my head around and and understand myself. That's why I sort of ask more questions than 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 answer when it comes to this sort of stuff because yeah. I'm trying to like figure it out myself. Um, but yeah, like I I just think is it nepotism? Is it people are just employing the people they know, or is it part I, of something else? Like I, I remember I there know. was a conversation that that Patrick Klepek had. Uh, I forget. It was it was during an E3 um, when. They do the you know Giant Bomb does their usual like in studio thing and everybody comes and sits around on the on the table I mean on the couch and hangs out and does that stuff and I remember someone kind of pinging and being like hey there's no black people here mm. like there's no black people on this couch that have been pulled up and they're like hey we know you do dope stuff and all that stuff and Patrick got some of the brunt of it for some strange reason I don't remember exactly why because but he, wrote he stands piece. up and he's you know he tells it like it is yeah because he doesn't bullshit. lift your fist so, Pat. Yeah, <laughs> Pat, already, Pat already has a fro too, so he's like ninety right, percent yep. of the way there. But but it was one of those things where um, uh, we talked about that, and he was like, you know, I in my, even in my own circle, I don't have necessarily a lot of black people in my circle, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like 
in the in the system and in, in in the in the way that the games media works is like yeah you do you do hire the people that you know you can vet them you've already had those conversations and those drinks and you've had those meetings at the bar where you've hung out and done that stuff and it's like you know it was it was especially cool for us to come and do that piece with you guys because it was a direct saying of like hey I see you guys are doing great work and I want to give you a platform to talk about the stuff that you do and kind of moving forward towards all the stuff that we've hopefully are getting towards, you know, that was super helpful in like lifting people up to say, Oh wow. I didn't even know that there were some Brown people doing some gaming stuff from this angle, but it's like, how do you get other folks in that space? How do you get other folks through that door is still the, the million dollar question. We're still trying to figure it out unless you build it yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. Unless you go out yourself. Because there's so many cultural reasons, I'm sure, as well, why people wouldn't. Because, like, you know, there's that whole thing about, like, oh, not enough people apply, or, like, not enough people of color apply, or not enough, you know, gay people apply, or whatever. But it's like, you know, that's that's clearly just a beautiful little excuse that you can sort of, you can <laughs> you can wrap yourself up in and feel, feel a little bit good about. I mean, it's the type of thing, I guess, that happens only if you force it in a way because... Nobody wants to be the first in the door either. You know, you don't want right. to be like the only person of color, the only right. gay person on a staff. Yeah. Like it has to be larger than just that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's 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 very strange. I I'm just kind of a little bit weirded out by the fact that it it's not so, it's not like something that's new on the radar. Like mm-hmm. this is something that people have been actively talking about. I feel within games for a fairly decent amount of time, and it's still kind of the same right. yeah. yeah although you know i'm only talking from my subjective perspective i don't no, i don't that, know I, I think that's definitely a perspective that, that a lot of people have and yeah. now with the advent of you know as you said like video and podcasting and stuff i mean back in the day when i was reading egm i didn't know what these people what they look like you know yeah. like when i was reading game pro and that stuff i didn't know so so like now that you know the personalities are there um now right. it's like kind of in your face and you can't ignore it you know and like i think that now like that pressure is like coming at these public companies that you know have to pay attention to wall street and the stock prices and the ceos get getting like involved with the pressure and stuff that's really i think where a lot of the change is like um you know should be driven from and that's really where i feel like a lot of the conversation is like remaining out there in the public because like you have public companies and and this isn't only gaming because it's also like google and facebook and intel Mm. you know companies that have always known that they've had issues but like only recently has it been like hey here's our diversity report we have two black people and they're janitors and we will put them in the gauntlet and let them fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 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 you know like uh, lo- like most things I think unfortunately you have to like shame people into doing this kind of stuff. Right. Like yeah. and that I mean I hate to say that but I, that's how it feels is that you know people aren't naturally going to do that like and like it's not that they make this you know explicit like we hate minorities and we're not going to bring them in. It's a lot of that nepotism and the pattern matching and the recommendations based on your echo chamber of people that you know and grew up with like it's all that stuff all put together and the fact that if you're at a place that's desirable like a gaming company or like a a tech company 
you don't feel like you should have to go out to recruit people. You know, when yeah. you feel like everybody should come to you and they're getting like thousands of, of applications for like positions. But if you really want to diversify, you actually have to put effort into it. You know, you have to go yeah. out to where people are. You have to, you know, actually make the effort to make sure that 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 like your place can support, as you said, being the first person in that's not like like the quote unquote norm. You know, and like I think mm. a lot of people aren't willing to put that effort in. It's like the same thing as, you know, as um, you know, as we talked about with the uh with making sure that your POC like protagonists are like fleshed out as well. You gotta make sure that your company is fleshed out, has an environment that can support it and then make the effort to, to like go out and get it, which is difficult and it costs money and it costs time and you know, even though there's business cases saying that it's worth it um even financially if not just morally um you know it, that's where i think a lot of places get stuck I, I, and it's weird to me that like there are many industries in which like you said it, it's sort of this moral responsibility but like to be honest in the world of like the media having diverse voices is like that's an asset like that's yeah. an important part of coverage is having people who have different specialities who have different perspectives on stuff it's like that's how a newsroom is run so it's it's not like it's this sort of like oh we must do it because people are pressuring us into it's like no this is actually something which benefits your entire team um so yeah i know i mean i'd love for this stuff to happen i i kind of feel like the mainstream games press is going in a direction where you're not going to have people front and center anyway so perhaps it happens in a in a more organic way i don't know I have a small dream. I want to have a, a channel that is people of color facing that does all this stuff like Rev3 used to do it. Right. right. I would love that. Yeah. That would be amazing. Go ahead, C. Yeah. No, I was I was going to say that, uh, you know, milk should be homogenized, not ideas. And, uh, you know, you can you can use that on a tweet. There you go. That was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Well, whatever, man. I don't drink milk because I'm lactose less tolerant. Uh, so you know, whatever. I mean, it's what I'm. I'm, I'm Irish, so I'm not. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? Speaking speaking of diverse voices, I, I, I kind of, I personally want to know this. Um, uh, but and I think this is the perfect forum to kind of find this this out. Um, Danny, when did you become a Bracaga resident? What was it that that made you? Um, you know. Uh, check out this place called Bracago and decide, hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put down roots here. Uh, I actually made a, a, a sort of. A, this is like the problem with podcasts, right? Is that you need somebody to recommend something. Sure. You don't just come across stuff. I think that's like a really big problem with like searchability and iTunes and and just generally on the internet. Um, what happened was actually about probably I don't know maybe a year ago at this maybe longer I don't know. Um, uh, for after moving to Oakland really and just sort of realizing that i i'm going to be an american you know i've been living here long enough and i'm whether i like it or not i've been thrust into this sort of you know this interesting place and time and that i have a responsibility as as a as a resident in this area and as a resident of this nation to be aware of like other people's perspectives and issues especially when it comes to race um what actually what i did was i reached out to austin walker and i had a chat with him on skype and i was like look i have this platform i'm getting people onto stuff i'm like talking about games i have all these people to listen to it I'm completely blind to this area and I feel like I should be doing something within the world of games at least to highlight perspectives of people of color uh, if 
you know in some sort of way what the fuck do i do and we had like a chat for uh, for a couple of hours i think it was um and one of the many things that he told me about and gave me recommendations about stuff and and people to check out and things i should do and and whatnot and one of the things he mentioned was was your podcast and said it's 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 absolutely fantastic it's one of his favorite listens every every week um so that's what happened yeah i i I was in the conversation with him and i literally went on itunes and hit subscribe and i listened to it i think on the way home that day on the bus back to oakland um so that's what it was and like it's in a way that's like kind of like awful that you needed to have this reason to then end up finding it like on the, the video and the world of the internet there's so many different ways to come across stuff but for whatever reason discoverability when it comes to the voices that you know algorithms aren't already telling you oh you love this <laughs> right, right? Right, right 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 i was trying to break the algorithm i was trying to get outside of my what i already know uh yeah so that's that's kind of how that happened and and since that i've like also what you know sort of found out a bunch of other stuff and you know there's other like patreons that i'm a patron of that sort of also help me they kind of act what happens is your podcast and a bunch of other stuff that i'm on it, they kind of act as curators for me so you guys are going out there and doing this stuff and and i was always like uh i think the time i understood gamers the most was when i worked at gamestop yeah. um uh because i felt like oh i'm actually like talking to legitimate people who right. play video games right and you don't get that like right. i was in an echo chamber in GameSpot, and i felt like i knew less about what gamers actually cared about there than before mm. um so your guys's perspective is part of a like rainbow of perspectives that i am trying to go out and try and you know make sure that i'm in touch with because I mean, especially now, if I'm being entrusted with having to make documentaries about stuff that represent what games are in 2016, then I need to have my finger on a bunch of pulses, right? right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Why don't you um, be the curator for us for a second? Who else are you listening to? Who else are those fingers that you have the your your fingers on the pulse of? The pulses you have your fingers on i don't know what i'm saying anymore it's probably all stuff that you pointed in in me in the direction of (laughs) like i love diverse games uh, or i need diverse games um uh and the lady who runs that as well her own yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. um and then just like a bunch of other sort of independent people uh, jeremy winslow who works out of uh, sacramento he does a bunch of stuff too Mm. um uh yeah like i i have i did like a twitter follow of like a bunch of different people so now every once in a while i just get like it's great like it's like a spider right like a web spider where you're it's like crawling information for you um but yeah that's the problem is that like like you're interesting you're talking about discover discoverability earlier sharif because uh they were talking about how like i was saying i was on spawn on me this week and i hit retweet and then a bunch of people were like oh my god i didn't realize there was like this this people yeah. of color podcast out there and like for some reason in my head uh, I, I i just have this idea that like you're all talking to each other like there's some sort of like <laughs> yeah. secret i mean there are black people meetings but they're regional so <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. so you know sometimes you gotta pay your uh, chapter dues as well so right exactly exactly <laughs> Right. So I was like, how do you know? Like, if I know, how do you not know about this? Right. So, I, like, the other thing is that, like, you do get caught in, like, these mini echo chambers sure. as yeah. well. So yeah. I guess it's 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 always realizing that you need to sort of, like, reach out of your comfort zone again. And now that you mentioned that, I probably should end up, like, doing another cycle of that and, and, and reaching out a bit outside of what I have now as well. Uh, just keep retweeting Spawn on Me stuff. 
I'll put some no clip ads right, in right. the middle hey, of the podcast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there yeah. You go. Hey, we'll I'm, take I'm totally fine with that. If we'll you want to record them. a bumper, we'll run it. Yep. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it is. It is interesting because even we we talk about that uh, on the show too. Like you know, off off cast is we're trying to make sure that we are staying in touch with all the circles and we have holes in our game too, right? Where it's like, we would love to have um, more women on the show. I think we do a fairly good amount of that, uh, of having women on the show that we think are like amazing and, and have really interesting things to talk about. But we haven't done shows with folks from the from the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community yet because there are just so many things that we want to feel like we get right before we do that. Yeah. So that we're, you know, doing and having that conversation in a, in a, in a nuanced way um, and, and kind of have the ability to make sure that we don't fuck that up. Um, but it's also, you know, being able to kind of just remember that the spaces are there to poke at and to be able to kind of dig into um, in reasonable and good ways. Because I don't I don't ever want to have a conversation where I don't feel like I know what the hell I'm talking about. Right. Because that feels gross. I don't and that feels like. Like the end game of all this stuff is surely that it's just like normalizing. Like in a way, what I really dislike is having a conversation with people who are in minority, like minorities, and then having it talk about it from that perspective solely. Like that's frustrating in its own way. I'm sure is that like you just end up, you know, talking to them about the issue that they are associated with from my white perspective. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Or from like the audience's white perspective or whatever. So like it's it's it. Like, I hope we're sort of stuck in this weird transitionary period. Who knows? Maybe that this is just like a 300-year-old th- transitionary period that will never end. <laughs> right. yeah. But, like, the, the hope is that, like, eventually we can just, like... And that's why I love listening to your podcast, because it's, like, you just talk about games as well. Like, you're just talking about games, and you're also talking about issues, that, you know, as part of that. But it's it's not through this, like, super-focused lens. And that's what I what I love, and that's what I think especially mainstream games coverage is missing so, so, so much. Yeah, it's 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 a hard deal uh, trying to figure it out. But I think if you just remember that people are people first yeah. and remember that the reason that they got into this industry is because they wanted to make games, that's, that's or, a, or amazing. Or because they love pl- them. You know? Yeah, because they mm-hmm. love them and that we right. love them, and that's right. a great place to start. Right. It's a great place yeah, to start. Exactly, and it's... it's, it's uh, um, you know, the reason that the show was started is because, you know, it's two two old old farts that love games got together. You're not it, that old. I'm uh, young and sexy as hey, hell. Listen, <laughs> listen, I'm old and sexy. I'm sexy as fuck, but I'm I'm a grandpa. So like, you know, I am old. So I've got gray nose hairs, or at least I had one, but I don't have any anymore. Um, so <laughs> So, we, but, so, so, so that is the anti of no clip. You right, clip that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and speaking of no clip, I want to I want to go right back to no clip. Um, mm. You know, you've you've achieved a phenomenal amount of success, all deserved, all deserved. In in two short weeks, um, you've got. Uh, you you've been given your mandate from the people. You're like George W. Bush right now. And, oh, <laughs> and spend that political capital. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> and uh, and and you know. So now you're you're gonna go out there and and you're you know you're lining up your first documentary. You've got some lined up for the next you know for next year. What is the pie in the sky? What is your um, you know 
moment where where you where you're able to say, "Damn it, this is this is what I was dreaming of doing." I I think that the two or maybe three ones would be. I'd love to do a like a really deep dive with Michael Abrash and Gabe Newell and everyone on the first Half Life. Mm. Uh, that would be like my my pinnacle, maybe. Uh, the one that I want to do, which I think is probably more possible than that, is I want to sit down with Todd Howard and do one about um, Elder Scrolls from top to bottom. Mm. And that's one that I think is actually maybe possible, but it, it but you know, I'm I'm we'll we'll see. Uh, but the one that I think I want to do that no one has gotten to do, and I think the only way that I would get access is by going independent and not being part of a mainstream game site, mm. is Rockstar. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Doing, I want to doing do the Hauser the, Brothers or doing like so. The problem with the Rockstar stuff is that whenever anyone covers Rockstar, they immediately go to the Housers and the crazy culture there right. and all that sort right. of stuff. Right. Yeah. And I think there is like a story to be told in that. And like, there's obviously like lots of stories about how hard they are right. work people during crunch and what happened with, with Bondi and all right. that. But like outside of that, like I'm not saying I, w- I would like be, you know, have selective hearing in that respect, but there is also a really interesting story about these, this like studio based in Edinburgh and with the rest of the office in New York, they like, they've crafted some of the most amazing game yes. worlds ever created. Yes. Like, consistently for about like i don't know two decades right Mm -hmm. and no one's like sat down with the like people who made that stuff and actually asked them about it like we hear about the houses talking about the narrative and some you know stuff here like sam maybe a bit more than dan but like we never get like rockstar is a company that has people who've been working there for 10 15 years going back to the dma days so like man could you imagine like you could do it you could do like a mini doc you could do a big doc on like each individual game you could like i watched something about vice city for 30 minutes so i think that would be i mean even red dead and bully and and everything else i I think there's so much stuff there and i think (laughs) man yeah that game was dope that anyway. game was that game was legitimately game good. Yes. So good. Yes, yes. So I, good. I would love to hear about that because I I was a huge fan of GTA Two in uh, college. Mm. Uh, I didn't really play the first <laughs> one, but the second one I played a ton. Right. Did you play multiplayer in college? I did. I did. Yeah, that was like a big. I hear. I hear that was a big like campus. It was game. enormous because you know, like I was on these fancy high speed lands while most other people <laughs> were on modems still. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, like, when I'd play that or Doom or Quake, like, we, we would just mop up on these public servers. Um, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, no, I, I would love that because I would love to hear, like, you know, what made them want to make this, like, 3D representation that basically, I mean, obviously they didn't know it at the time, but became the template for, you know, I would argue that generation of games, like that PS2 like uh, ge- that generation yeah even now yeah. well w- well like, you know? like like it kind of like began in that like g- generation right. i mean like it it just became this is the this is the template like now let's do our yeah. version of that which every other right. company did like i would love to hear about that has anybody done the like backstory on midway stuff no i don't i don't know and you're right like a lot of those dudes are now just like super available like yeah. between right. Boys and Lang and, and Lang and all those folks, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, like that. You're right. That might be one as well. One of the problems I'm having is that I'm definitely right now looking within my like circles of influence or my yeah. not even circle of in, in terms of people, but in terms of the things that influenced me as a gamer. Right? right. Yep. So Midway to me is not. It's like it's a story that matters to a lot of people, but to me, I go to something like Deus Ex instead, or I go to yeah. like you know Looking Glass, or I go to like Valve or whatever. So one of the things that I definitely want to accomplish with this as well is to like have it not be me hosting all the time and have it not be me presenting and and writing it like i would love to facilitate other people um to do stories as well so there isn't like an instance of like midway i could probably like you know research up on it and then do my due diligence and and figure something else out but then outside of that there's loads of topics that either i don't know about or i'm certainly not the most like qualified person to speak to everything in the world right so that's that's another sort of thing that i'm I'm hoping we do but obviously i think like i need a bed of ones including me first for everyone to be sort of satiated with that and then sort of get a bit more experimental i heard you mention um on like another one of your videos talking about sort of the uh south american uh game market how like you know how like how like consoles specific ones have such a long life cycle there like the sega master system and like that kind of stuff because of their high import taxes for consoles i would love because i've heard like small things about that and as a kid i was probably like the only person in new jersey with the sega master system but i let everybody (laughs) know that i had one and like i'd be like hey you want to come over and play outrun you know Um, (laughs) but i had no idea that you know until much later in life that the sega mattress system they kept making them locally because sega just let you make the consoles in the country in that you know in in those countries like i would love to see a deep dive into that there are so many really strange hardware stories that don't they tend not to exist as much in like the modern era like what i grew up playing for instance like i it's weird like i have a really crazy blind spot when it comes to uh like nintendo because i grew up playing commodore games i had an amiga 600 right. so i was playing like games like sensible world of soccer and cannon fodder and right. like what the fuck are these like, <laughs> just weird ass like sure like zool like right. okay yes yeah whatever yes. uh so, but like and that you know we talked about the weird like polish radio game situation before but like yeah brazil particularly has like a bunch of really strange because they have this yeah the import tax for hardware so like for instance now my both microsoft and sony have um, manufacturing stations within the country which is now why they're more more affordable right um but you have these weird cons- consoles like there was this one micro console that was i think it like i think it ran on dial-up internet it was called the zebo the z-e-e-b-o you should look it up it's so funny there's like really funny commercials but kids are like da 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 zebo and it like zooms into the screen and it's all these like knockoff fucking playstation one games you're like what the fuck is this uh but that was like six years ago so it's like it's it's really weird that's awesome Oh so there's God. loads of these conversations. Like, I'm, I'm talking about, like, one of the places I really want to go is I want to tackle... There's a lot of interesting stuff happening in development and mobile game playing in North Africa. And yes. then in the mm. Middle East, there's tons of, not, not, like, crazy stuff going on uh, in terms of, like, indie development yep. um, where small teams can make games for that market because, you know, they can't sort of scale up a lot of the times because 
there isn't that culture of game playing and right. obviously they're they've got sort of uh, language barriers that exist there as well which are a lot more difficult than if you're reaching uh, an english-speaking audience but there's loads of really interesting stuff happening so like that's i'm a, i'm it's a small team it's it's me and my camera op we can go do that stuff the only thing about brazil and this is so lame is that i'm worried and i'm genuinely this is not <laughs> i'm worried about zika like... <laughs> <laughs> but why why would you it's worry like, about zika when you have zebo yeah i would <laughs> Like if you're You'll even thinking fine. about doing any family planning, yeah. going to a Zico place is like a little. Like, oh, maybe That's I'll a good right. point. Yeah. Wait, you maybe you know. You uh, might have to Skype that yep. one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. hang I'll send my camera up. And you can just go <laughs> film yourself, shoot it all, and get Zika up. He's gonna yeah. come home. He's gonna come by and give you a nice big Zika hug. It's <laughs> <laughs> like thank you, you bastard, sending me over there by myself. <laughs> God. Well, oh, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this much that uh, when you do finally get around to uh, potentially doing the documentary about Acclaim, Long Island's mm. own Acclaim, I'd like to nominate myself, uh, Long Island's own Colin Moriarty and Long Island's <laughs> own Daniel Kaiser to, uh, to all get together and talk about our shining star that once was uh, Acclaim. That's amazing. I didn't even realize the claim was from Long Island. Yeah. That's like a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, feel, I feel like LJN should just get a shout out just because. That's <laughs> <laughs> shout out to LJN and, and a claim. Shout yeah. out to them. There you go. There's a great uh, Irish connection there as well because Dave Perry, who right. worked there and made all those get like he's from the he's from Northern Ireland. Oh, really? There you go. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Who went See? on to do? He's from Lisburn. He went on to do uh yeah work for Shiny and now he's doing Gaikai. Huh. Yeah. There's all these weird. It's the same for everyone. It's uh, you yep. like like Havoc is an Irish company. Right. The, the right. folks make the physics engines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We fucking love that shit. Whenever I saw Havoc pop up, I was like, <laughs> <"Yes!"> <laughs> <laughs> But that's a, but that's a thing. Right? It's like we like I don't know about Irish game dev. Like I have right. no clue what Irish game dev even Rockstar. Like. You know, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yes, but like besides that, I'm sure that there are pockets that are just happening. And dude, you, you know who lives in Ireland right now and is developing a game? Who? John Romero. Really? Really? What? He mo- him and Brenda moved to apparently a couple of years ago Brenda Romero was trying to like do her like her roots like find out where her roots were from yeah. and found out like that loads of her family's from Ireland so they went back to Ireland got when they were there they basically did a talk at some uh, college in called in Carlo where they have a video game uh, course and then they started just like promoting the Irish games like developments indie scene like really heavily like even going to like inviting and flying out developers from gds for gdc wow. were like young dudes and girls who couldn't like come over right wow. so now it, it ended up resulting in like they moved to galway in the west of ireland last year and they live in fucking ireland like in, in the most irish part of ireland <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> nasty burned down castles and sheep everywhere oh, like, they're more and, irish and than you, i am and now. you know that super irish by the i know if most folks can't see this because we're not doing videos but <laughs> the look on your face you were like really irish yeah. <laughs> it's way more like, so like if you think when i'm going back to ireland that i'm not going over to galway and asking him about like oh yes doom like that's it's no clip's gonna get it's gonna be really fun we're gonna do some weird stuff yeah so yeah yeah so we're 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 getting ready to get to the end all good things must come there um (laughs) you talked about no clip one thing that i know about you and about no clip is that no clip won't have any ads but yes this is your time 
to actually run an ad for Noclip <laughs> for people that have yet to become like the three hosts that are here now, patrons of the of the Noclip family. So first of all, I noticed you did that, and I was like, oh my god, like all like that's. That's like too much. So I went to like re up on my spawn on me because I was like, there's no way they're getting like, they're going to beat me. Like, I need to like tit for tat here. And then I saw that you guys have like suspended it for a while. You guys yeah. are like called yeah. it off for a yeah, while. It's yeah. interesting because, yeah, we, I, so I wrote this big long post and it's basically like we, everyone who has ever donated and who, you know, ever supported us monetarily, we love you and you're fucking awesome. Right. I, I, I personally felt, that we didn't necessarily have like tiers structured in a way that was super beneficial to folks. Um, so we're kind of going back to the well a little bit to kind of rethink about how we want to do that so that we can maybe provide some extra content to folks and, and give you things that are actually beneficial to you. Cause we were just kind of asking to be like, Hey, to keep the lights on, if we yeah. need to do coverage with some stuff or go to a conference here, you know, thank you for, for supporting us in that way. But I kind of want to give folks a little something. And I, you know, I, I felt like maybe pulling it down for a hot second would be okay. It may go up. We were just talking about this in the break of like, we may need to push, put it back up uh, with some extra uh, things in there fairly mm -hmm. soon. Um, so if you will, if you do want to donate after you hear this episode, we, may for be sure. Absolutely. And, and in that. fact, if, if you want, I can put you in contact with the people at Patreon who have helped me build all those tiers. Like those folks yeah. know that stuff really well. Yeah. So after I'll let's do an email after this and sort yeah. of get that because I, I would love to see you guys up there as like a like a force yeah. uh, with some really cool like, you know, tiers and stuff to look forward to. Um, Because, yeah, what you guys do is, is amazing. And like the, the thing about Patreon is like they say, like once you have one person on there like the average patreon user is on like at least three like yeah. it's once they're in they're they're there so i think it's like share and share alike and i'd love to like point more people to spawn on me you know oh well, yeah, thank so, you yeah thank you that, so, that means a lot yes it does mean a lot but you're not getting off the hook danny <laughs> <laughs> pitch your shit man <laughs> so i'm wasting everyone's time right no. yeah. <laughs> If you go to patreon.com forward slash Danny O'Dwyer, O-D-W-Y-E-R, it's a weird name, I'm sorry. It's not SEO friendly, but you'll find it. Uh, if you go there, there's a trailer uh, where I basically pitch the whole thing. I'm making game documentaries, not like 90-minute documentaries, like three sets of 20-minute documentaries or like, you know, four to 15-minute documentaries. Sort of snackable documentary shorts, multiple ones about games, about games that you love that are coming out, about games that came out in the past, uh, or about interesting aspects of gaming culture that maybe games websites don't cover. And the beauty of this is that I have a bunch of patrons who already are doing this and I don't have to worry about views or advertising, which means I can tell stories that maybe aren't, you know, don't get millions of clicks and it doesn't matter because i have the the base there anyway so we're going to be covering stuff that traditional games press doesn't we're going to be covering it in a way that they never have and if you want to come along for the ride and see all the behind the scenes stuff and 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 also lend your voice to it because i'm i'm, I'm going places based on what my patrons are saying um then sign up and if you can't or you don't want to or you you, you can't monetarily or whatever 
Go to No Clip Video on YouTube. All these documentaries are for everyone. It's just bonus stuff that's for the patrons to help fund the work. But the documentaries themselves, including like, you know, there's going to be extended cuts of interviews and stuff that I'm going to put out for everyone as well. Uh, we're also going to do our best to make sure that we have good subtitling and stuff and maybe translations for, for other uh, regions as well. This, is, this whole idea is to f- have gamers fund a new type of games coverage that everyone can enjoy. Uh, and that doesn't just speak to one type of gamer. So if you want to be involved, patreon.com forward slash Danny Dwyer. And uh, if you want just updates on the project, uh, that same weird name on Twitter, uh, <laughs> and you'll see me spam pictures of my cats and Ikea furniture. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I mean, uh, before we get up out of here and see hits us with the social media business, I have to just say, Danny, it's been fucking awesome to see your work over the years, man. I rolled up on you at PAX and told you and gave you a hug and was like, dude, I'm super happy and proud to know you and to be able to kind of see all the stuff that you're doing and will continue to do with no clip because I know anything attached to your name is going to be fucking awesome. So, man, thank you so much for rocking with us tonight and hanging out with us and, and sharing our show and doing all that stuff. Yeah. Don't make me cry. God damn it. No, thank you so much. I'm I'm super humbled to be here. I I love this podcast. It's like it, it's a it's a dream to be honest. And I think what you guys do is is like super. It's special for like obvious reasons, but it's like super fucking solid. Like you guys are, you've got a great rapport. You know your shit, and this podcast is like something I look forward to all the time. So I hope you keep doing it. I hope it gets from strength to strength. Like I will do anything within my power to to you know help you guys in the same way that you help me get through my morning commute although i don't do that anymore <laughs> now now you help me when i'm like having a bath in the morning uh, yes so ne- whenever yeah, you're recording nice. this just imagine this like this like pasty fleshy <laughs> irish guy just like soaping himself oh, listening to your dulcet tones i already played i already played inside though already played inside. inside was already a good game that's gonna that be the image one, for the show yeah. and podcast. Yeah. Oh, Photoshop Danny. I'm just gonna put it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna file maker pro it with like Daniel Dwyer in the inside right. blob, dude. It's gonna be so dope. It's gonna be so awesome. <laughs> I was. I was completing that game, and my wife was sitting beside me, and like the last 20 minutes, that all happened, and she was like, "Are all games like this?" I was like, <laughs> "No." I don't know what's going on. Oh, <laughs> That's man. amazing. Oh. Uh. See, so um, you know, uh, Danny, this has been this literally has been a dream come true for us. Um, you know, uh, we we love the shit out of you. Uh, I hope that you have in, enjoyed enjoyed your time as much as we have enjoyed having you. Um, and Absolutely. and obviously, uh, I don't really think that it needs to be said, but I'll say it anyway. The door is literally always open for you. Um, so whenever you want to come back and and share some stories that you know about no clip um when you want to talk about your first uh your first no clip video going to con uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know you can you can come back and uh you know talk about your experiences here um you know people want to find your stuff like you said before patreon.com slash danny o'dwyer uh they can find you on twitter at danny o'dwyer uh, does no clip have a Twitter account yet? Will no clip have it does a... uh, no no clip video. No clip video nice. at yeah. at on Twitter. Twitter.com slash no clip video. While you're on Twitter following Danny and no clip, you want to follow Spawn on Me at Spawn on Me. You can find your great host there. 
Uh, find all our information there. While you're also on the internet, make sure you go to spawnon.me. That's our homepage where you can find this episode and all of our past episodes, all our previous episodes, uh, where we talk about a multiple, multitude of things. Uh, if you want to listen to us in your bathtub, like Danny will, <laughs> uh, you can go to iTunes or NPR One or Google Play. Uh, please, guys, if you are in a place where they leave ratings or reviews, please do so. Rate and review. It really, really helps us out. Uh, and uh, if you want to leave us questions, you can do it on Twitter. But if you've got a question that is like us, nuanced, you want to do it <laughs> on, uh, via email at podcast. At oh, saved yourself I, pretty good yeah i almost didn't but i got it but i got it i'm good <laughs> y'all um yeah i think that's it everybody uh and you know yeah. until until further notice uh like ka said previously our our patreon is suspended we will let you know via social media when it is back up uh, we currently and don't I'll, have I'll a bug Snapchat. Danny and like, Danny, can you retweet this, please? Right, 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 <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah, we, mm. we we currently don't have a Snapchat, um, but we do have IG. So uh, you know, we'll take some pictures or something like that at some point. Yeah, we'll take we'll take a picture of it not being unsuspended. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. I'm back. It's Kyle cutting a ribbon and hurting his ankle. That'll be. <laughs> that'll you know what? Be. You're a bastard. Really nice. I, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Again, every week, thank you so much to everyone in our lovely, lovely world of Bracago. We love you guys so much, and thank you so much for listening to us every week. We will say peace. peace.